Theorizing that podcast audiences wanted to listen to two grown men talk about time travel, Nate Bowden and Brian Martin started a show dedicated to Quantum Leap. Together, they explore NBC's revival of the franchise, starring Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett, and its connections to the original series. They also examine spin-offs, such as novels and comics, as well as some mirror images in the form of television shows and movies that share creative DNA with the adventures of Sam Beckett and Ben Song. And so Nate and Brian find themselves leaping from topic to topic, striving to make sense of it all, and hoping each time that their next episode will be the one that goes viral. Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and striving to put right what's wrong with this podcast, it's Brian Martin. Hello, everybody. Hello, Brian. Back on the Yeti this week. (laughs) Sounding like a normal human. (laughs) That's right. Apologies, technical difficulties last week. If you were bothered by the audio from Brian's computer. I was recording from inside a Campbell's suit can. No, honestly, though, I was just so excited to talk about the finale that I just did not even check the settings. Well, it all got recorded. At least we didn't have to have the conversation twice. That's probably the most important part. You know, for a second, though, I thought you could maybe feed my dialogue into, like, an AI and just have it replicate it and polish it up a little bit. That AI technology, I'm sure, is out there. It's just not readily available to me so far as I'm aware. (laughs) But we've got plenty to cover this week as well, an entire season's worth. Oh yeah, this is going to be our big season recap with the uh, second annual Ziggy Awards. I'm very excited about this. And I'm very much hoping there will be a third annual. Oh yeah. I couldn't find a lot of good news on the internet regarding the potential of a season three. I got you, I got you. There was an interview with... with I. I don't know who this guy is. Showrunner? With you. No, no, no. Podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's asked me for an interview. Hold on a second. Let me type his name in. So I want to get his title correct. That's fine. I'll just sip on my amber beverage here. All right. So Aaron Underhill, who's the president of NBC Universal TV, on the prospects of a third season of Quantum Leap. Her response was, the way that they wrapped that up, it could be a satisfying ending, but they also could continue on, so I think we're going to be waiting to hear feedback from NBC as we approach the May upfront as to what the status is. Decoding that, that is just, we're waiting until May to see how everything else performs. Yeah, well... She says, like always, I think it's going to depend on their development and how they're feeling about the pilots that come in and where Quantum Leap would potentially go on the schedule. But I think everyone has a lot of support for that show and a big fan base in terms of that being a major library title for us, so we're optimistic, but we won't know anything with certainty until, I think, probably April. So... I see. So we've got to wait. What's the corporate term for Technobabble? (laughs) right double speak is what it seems like right covering all your bases most of what i saw though fits with the trend that we were anticipating which is that change to tuesday was a significant drop off to come back at that time slot 
I don't want to say it was a death nail, but a lot of times they send shows to that time slot to die. <laughs> yeah, we're old yellering it. I hope that's not true. I hope we do get another season. If that is all we get, though, it was a great ending. It's a great ending if we get more. It's a great ending if we don't. They did a good job of splitting the difference. I agree. I sure hope it's not a series finale, but it's not exactly the cliffhanger that would leave you all wondering. Right. It's just the cliffhanger that leaves you wanting more, I think. Yes. Which is where you want to be, really. But nevertheless, we should cover what's already aired. We've got a few categories that are different from last year if you've been following us since the beginning. Yeah. Shaking things up a little bit. So uh, last year we did these Ziggy Awards at the end of the season. We went over things like our favorite episodes, our least favorite episodes, favorite guest character or actor, most fan servicey moment, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, season MVP, things like that. We got a few new categories this year, including one that is unique to Nate and one that is unique to me. So... That's the one category, or the two categories, rather, where I don't think we'll have any uh, bleed over, but I do anticipate us having some similar answers here. The start of the season, we were sort of rating them as we went. And, <laughs> and then we gave up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, to, you know. And i kind of glad that we did, honestly, just for the purposes of this episode. But yes. at the same time, yeah. there's very little division between the two of us. And I think that holds true first season and second season. Yeah, I think that looking back at our Ziggies from the first season... Did you actually go back and listen? I did re-listen to that episode, because one of the things I wanted to do was make sure that when we got to character to watch, mm -hmm. we could go back and review our answers from the first season and see how those characters fared in season two. But, you know, our bottom episodes our top three episodes yeah they were very similar Some crossover there but we also did a thing where we tried to predict what each other's oh i forgot that we were, did that right and i i definitely want to do that again okay because again i do feel like we synced up this season but i also feel like you know somewhere on the margins there's going to be room for movement especially when it comes to our top three episodes my number one might be your number two, or things like that. So I'm curious Is about that bathroom this, code. Uh... No, <laughs> no, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I can edit that part out then. Um, no, keep it in. Okay, keep it all in. That's what they say in the bathroom too. <laughs> keep it all in, <laughs> <laughs> or let it all out. So let me ask you this before we actually really get started here. As far as the finale goes have you mm -hmm. cooled on that at all no no not at all so not remotely i'm still flying high in fact over the weekend i said to my wife who does not watch the show and doesn't know what a quantum leap is <laughs> damn that was a good finale this doesn't matter to you but i just gotta say it was really fucking good wow okay i have not cooled on it at one bit i only ask uh, clearly because I have a little bit. Yeah, okay. Not in a way that says, man, that wasn't as good as I remember it, or that wasn't as good as everybody says it is, but more in a sense of, like, I'm weighing it against the rest of the season. Okay. And while it's a, while it's a culmination of the season, and clearly the last chapter of the book, I guess, no spoilers, did it affect where the rest of my rankings are? 
And and that's the question. That's yeah. like going back through this, thinking back this episode of our show. Right. It's all about looking back on the whole season. So, yeah, I would expect maybe some shifting there. Like, okay, that was really great, but was it this good or was it that good? Well, uh, without further ado. Okay, so we're going to start off with our top three episodes of the season. This is the category where I think we're going to have the most variation. And by most variation, I mean there's going to be subtle variations. Okay. <laughs> like Maybe we'll be surprised. It won't be 100% episode for episode. I'm curious. I'm going to call your number okay. three first. All right. Secret history. Hmm. No, no, it's not. Okay, all right. My number three turns out to be Nomads. Wow, uh, really? Yeah. Okay. The all Egypt right. episode. I like that. I um, like that. Main reason, it'll come down to some things that we discuss later, some of the other awards. But just on the grand scale, the direction, the effort that they put into it, all of that, I think, has some weight. But largely, it was uh, the development of the love story. And, you know, yeah. I'm a sucker for this kind of thing. And if Secret History is the meet-cute moment, Nomads is the one where most of the relationship builds. The groundwork is being laid. And it's the one where they really yes. are most infatuated with each other. And it gives you that feeling of, you know, that's why I picked it, because of where it was in the love story. Mm-hmm. To be at my number three. But when I really think about it, you also forget that had that great moment of, oh, well, he failed. Is he stuck? Yes. What do we do? That led to some really interesting conversation. And at that point, we thought it was a possibility. We didn't know where it was going. Because they were yeah. already doing something a little different with this Hannah storyline. So there's some variation to things that we'd seen before. And like, well, maybe he is going to be stuck for an episode or two. Probably not, but if, <laughs> if there was enough there that it was something interesting to think about. So for those reasons, it definitely cracked my top three right there at number three. It barely missed my top three. Okay. I would say no. So I will did. not um, guess that for your number three. Don't guess Nomads for number <laughs> three. Uh, you know, this is the end of the rising action of Ben and Hannah for me. The climax of Ben and Hannah is off the cuff okay when the marriage happened in terms of their relationship arc the upward momentum is mostly here in nomad when he finds out they're married it fundamentally changes the entire scope of what their relationship is moving forward the... and it never rebounds really you well, know that's the down moment when you yeah. talk about the romantic comedy they have the the rise and then there's got to be a deep 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 fall because the guy screws exactly. up, somebody misconstrues something about the other, and suddenly, oh, these two are not going to be together. And it didn't really get that far, but off the cuff, I feel, is sort of the low. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, okay, well, it wasn't meant to be. And then the resolution is something kind of in the middle. Yeah, right? the resolution is something different than what we thought it would be. Something realistic, right. I guess. Right. Kind of interesting to look back on this season because... The first six, seven episodes, every episode we were like, but there's an Egypt episode coming. Up. There's an episode they filmed in Egypt coming. Up. Yeah. And we really and wanted that to live up to what we were expecting it to be. 
And I think it did. Yeah, at the uh, end overall, of the day. I, I yeah. really think it did. Let's not forget that that was the Lou Diamond Phillips episode, too. Yeah, yeah. Lots <laughs> of fun things in Nomads. Definitely a good one. Okay, well, if I'm going to guess yours, I wasn't, to be honest, wasn't prepared for this little game, but I guess what I'll do, (laughs) (laughs) I guess where I'll go is off the cuff for number three. Okay, good guess, incorrect. Okay, what's your number three? My number three is This Took Too Long, the season premiere. Okay, yeah, man, I should have gone that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Taking it way back, before we knew who Hannah Carson was, before we knew what this season had in store. Look, I love the A-Team. This was an A-Team <laughs> episode with <laughs> Ben Song in it. And you know what? I did have two honorable mentions, and this was definitely in my top five. Yeah, a lot of fun. One of the best endings of the season, even if it didn't pay off in episode two. Right. That initial ending of it's been three years, Ben, like, whoo, wow, that's amazing. Changed. Yeah. Ben is on his own for most of the leap, doesn't have hologram support. Just this wackadoo, merry band of ne'er-do-wells, we'll call them. (laughs) How do well? (laughs) Yeah. Ne'er. Just a really good, really fun episode to come back from the break on. Set season two out on the right foot, I think. One that really got us excited, which is what a premiere is for, right? Kind of set the tone for what you want it to be. And outside of that cliffhanger ending, we weren't really missing anything from the 2026. No, not at all. Didn't miss it at all. Yeah. So, yeah, good pick right there with you. All right. Two. Hmm. Your number two. Oh, gosh. Did we establish secret history is not in your top three? We didn't establish anything, sir. Okay, so I'm going to say Secret History again is number two. You've got it. Secret History is number two. The budding romance. Yes. This is setting it all up. And they do it all around a really interesting mystery. And I found it to be sort of an Indiana Jones deal. Yeah. Not so much like the uh, family jewels there, but uncovering a mystery. Albert Einstein... Nazis. I mean, lots of fun. Yeah, lots of lots fun. Of, lots of fun. Did you have a chance to revisit that yet? Not yet. No, I, okay. I definitely intend to. But I will tell you the one. Well, thing then I that won't I do put it remember. in your top three because I know when you revisit <laughs> no. it, it'll <laughs> it'll probably bump up. The thing that I remember best about it is Tom taking over as the hologram. That was great. And Tom immediately proves himself as a more capable hologram than anybody else working at the project walking through walls and stuff you know doing the owl stuff yeah and except not following women into like locker rooms and shit not that kind of me too (laughs) stuff but like using his power as the hologram to the benefit of ben right Yeah, yeah yeah that's a really good point obviously there was the silliness around ian and jen and their tomfoolery Oh, we'll get to that later. That wasn't great. I made a special category just for that shit. We'll get to that later. Yeah, that aside, I think the rest of it elevated it enough for me. I was really enjoying the time in the leap. And when you mentioned the thing about Tom, when that all happened, we were still making our, oh, but Tom's a great guy jokes. 
You know, yeah. nobody gave, <laughs> yeah. like we were determined to not like Tom because they were force feeding him to us. I feel like that turned a corner for me in that episode. Yes. I went from like ironically liking Tom to actually liking Tom. He was humanized by the episode. And I don't want to forget that one, like I said, this is the budding romance. You see sparks start to fly. You know, you see these two really connecting on a level. And he finally tells somebody who he is. And it's somebody that's willing to believe him. I mean, this is the first time a Leaper has made a connection to someone. It started us off on this whole big arc that I just really, really enjoyed. Absolutely. Love their interplay. And leave us not forget, probably one of my favorite jokes on our podcast. <laughs> what was the, what was this? <laughs> the, the idea that it was picture day at the Nazi army <laughs> for that guy. <laughs> just yeah. happened to have the SS tattoo. And when they found him on the internet, he was doing the Heil Hitler symbol. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have been better. <laughs> Could not have found a better Everybody picture. Everybody gets your uniforms on. It's picture day. Oh. <laughs> oh, you cracked me up with that one, Brian. That was good. I laughed yeah. so hard at that. So <laughs> go back and listen to that. I've ruined the punchline, but man. That was a good time. That, uh, that that was good. That was okay. a good time. Yeah. So that was that's my number two secret history. All right. Okay. All right. Do you have any guesses as to my number two? I'm gonna say it's one of the two finales. I'm gonna say, as the world burns. Incorrect. I gave it as the world burns pretty high marks. Okay. But I have a feeling that my number two is your number one. Okay. It is off the cuff. That's accurate. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I honestly, I thought that was going to be your number one as well. Yeah, you know, I really... I'm actually a little surprised, to be honest. I really juggled this a little okay. back and forth. Off the Cuff is such a good episode. The best. It's, it's, it's so the best good. episode, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's the maybe number it is one hair, episode. It's really great. It's hard to find fault with that episode. And it achieves so much. You've got the banter between Ben and the bounty head, Kevin Zat. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got the car chase scene, which is actually a pretty good car chase scene. You've got the absolutely crushing entrance of Hannah Carson. In that episode, yeah, the home aloning of the house between Ben and Hannah to try to stop the bad guys, Elena Carr and her enforcers. Just so much to love in yeah, that episode, there's, man. There's very little to dislike. I that one. I can't think of a single thing. Yeah, to dislike that one's in that pretty. Episode. That one honestly is pretty flawless. It's one of those really great episodes that is so efficiently told that. You get to the end of 42 minutes of watching it, and you feel like you probably just watched a 90-minute movie. Yeah. But it was only 42 minutes long, and it just packs so much in there. And what is in there is substantive, too. Yes. Like, it's thematic. Looking at my three two ones here, Nomads, Secret History, and as you guessed it here, Off the Cuff... These are all the meat and potatoes of Mm -hmm. the romance story. And Off the Cuff is, I described it earlier as kind of the low, but it's really the evolution of, okay, what's this going to be? And while the end of that, we were thinking, okay, well, a window's been left open. 
because Josh isn't meant to be with her long term. The writing kind of on the wall for, yeah, these two mean something to each other, but it's not the fling that you think it's going to be. It's not what you expect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and you realize that Ben, while he maybe is not okay with that, he cares about her enough to really try and take care of Josh and his situation. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's tops of the season for me. Really, really good stuff. So that was your number one. That's my number one. Um, So now I guess I have to wager that your number one would be the finale then. Against Time is my number one. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That is correct. If for no other reason than, I said this last week, 13 minutes (laughs) (laughs) in, and it has achieved so much the momentum in that episode is mm-hmm. relentless. The way in which it manages to tie up every loose end mm-hmm. is great. It achieves everything that the season one finale fumbled and struggled with. Oof. I'll, yeah. Um, I'll which say, I liked sure. the season one finale, but this has put me in a state of mind where I need to go back and reassess that now. Yeah. Because yeah. now that I've seen what this show is truly capable of. You can go back and see how wrong you were. I can probably do that. <laughs> uh, just as finales go, it's a real all-timer. I absolutely loved every yeah. critical second of Against Time. It absolutely accomplishes what it's trying to do. When I mentioned earlier that I've cooled on it a little bit, mm-hmm. I haven't necessarily cooled on it to where I like it less, but as we're weighing it in the middle of the season, those top three are my top three, you know? So, I think that's a real testament to the season as a whole, though. I feel like, like an episode as good as Against Time didn't even crack your top three. Yeah, I don't know that final chapters of things are something that really land with me. I'm never going to find the finale as my favorite. Infinity War is going to beat Endgame, even though, you know, because it's the, okay. you know, I like that. I like the anticipation of what's coming. The buildup. The yeah. buildup is what I really enjoy. And then the resolution is hopefully satisfying, but I never land on the finale as being the best. Though. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Speaking of cracking the top three or not cracking the top three, uh, the next thing we're going to go through is our bottom three episodes of the season. Now, I do think that there will be some synchronization here. At least two of the three. Two of the three will be synchronized. Third place is the one I'm not sure about. That's the only interesting thing. Possible variation. Although I don't think there is. I don't think there is variation. I think there is. I'll just remind everybody, last week you said you were going to have real difficulty coming up with a third one. Because you were just going to feel bad (laughs) putting any other episode in the bottom three. It's because two stood out immediately. One and two were obvious to me, were the two biggest weak points of the season. Season one, when I was trying to pick the third worst episode... Of my watch, there were a lot of episodes that were kind of in the C range that I was like, okay, it could kind of be any one of you. Yeah. This season, there were a couple bad ones, and then most of them were C pluses and Bs. But one did rise above the pack to land below the pack, as it would be. (laughs) Yeah. 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 If we're looking in a mirror. Okay. So am I guessing first then? Go ahead. Oh, man. Well,. The only one that I know that you 
showed distaste for was secret history, but I don't think, I don't think that you would do that because I think you know it warrants another watch. So, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, see. Um, not gonna be witches. I know the other two. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna say one night in Koreatown. Bingo! That's your number three? That is my number three, yes. Well, I hate to break it to you, sir, but that is also my number three. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> it just the, <laughs> the bottom three episodes really stood out. Yeah. And Koreatown gets a mark here, not because it's a particularly bad episode, I don't think. No, it's not. But it's because, not terrible. because it is very small scale, it takes place within the same 20 feet on the universal back lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like it doesn't really move for there to be a riot going on. You never really see the sense of the scope and scale of it. Yeah. It um, never feels particularly threatening. The message that they're trying to land is so clear. And then the resolution of the episode is really unbelievable. <laughs> It is. It, it, it defies belief. And it's a roll your eyes kind of moment, honestly. It's one of those things where I applaud what you're trying to say socially, but you did it in an extraordinarily clumsy manner. Yeah. It's like writing an essay. I can believe what you're trying to espouse here, but you didn't quite give me all the evidence to support your ideology. Right. This is a C. Actually would score it probably a little lower than that. At the time, I think we just kind of thought, oh, it's an average episode and we had plenty to, to talk about and we're long-winded enough that we always find something <laughs> to talk about. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think just the matter of it feeling cheap. I remember talking about the outside shots were in such darkness. The cops that were there are like the same three cops <laughs> every time. Right. And outside of just the production value, that gives way to my number three nomads. We know that's where the money went, right? So right. can't yeah. fault it too badly, but sometimes I think we forget it really does magic wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it like, really does. Like, he comes across very ineffectual, and he gives up so quick. You'd think he was Jen walking out of the imaging <laughs> chamber. <laughs> The way he's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, no slight against anybody that's struggling with substance abuse issues, but it was more than that. He wasn't able to handle the stress of the situation. This is a Navy SEAL. Right. A Navy SEAL that saw combat in Vietnam with a pension for surviving. Like, that was his whole thing. So he dipped. He just left. <laughs> you know, he left in the middle of a riot. And I remember during that episode just thinking, that's not what I want to see from that character. I want him to sort of take charge, show the youngsters how to hologram, and really take charge and help Ben in this situation. And when he did, it was great. You know, showing him how to fortify his location and that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, but... It craters real quick. It craters, yeah. So yeah. that really lowered it for me. I have a, um honorable mention. You want to go for, for my bottom number four? Three. <sighs> uh, number four worst episode. Hang on a second. Let me uh, 
take a look here at the whole season. And those of you who are scoring at home, I think, probably know what our one and two are as well. <laughs> I'm going to go with The Outsider for your number four. Ah, uh, no. Um, that uh, would probably would have been number five. Uh, Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I never did warm up to that one. The best thing about that episode was the Troy McClure stuff that we got to joke about <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah. No, that was pretty good. You may remember me from such movies as Cry Yuma and Here Comes the Coast Guard. Outside of that, it felt very out of character and just... It was like, wacky. Yeah. I still like the episode quite a bit. It's definitely in the middle of the road for me this season. Yeah. I still lean towards like over dislike. It was flip-flopping with me on Koreatown. Back and okay. forth, back and forth. But Okay, so... It's really just a matter of which one we put it in the number one and number two slot. Okay. Um, you guessed I was one night in Koreatown. Let me guess your number two. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to say your number two is the family treasure. Flip them. Ah, oh, damn. Okay. Well, that's what I did, too, because my yeah. number two is Ben and Teller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. At the I end just of thought the... maybe we were a little bit different there. but No, no. You know, at the end of the day, Ben and Teller was an episode of Quantum Leap. Yes. With a through line that frustrated the shit out of us. Yeah. But it was an episode of Quantum Leap. <laughs> yeah. The leap was effective, I guess. There's not a lot of good to say about any of these. Ben and Teller was just a dreadful episode, too dreadful yeah, episode coming off two of, coming off of the high of the first episode mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was such a downslide and it just immediately made me feel like oh wait no we haven't learned anything exactly it was such a season one episode mm -hmm. it also breaks its own rules where he's leaped into this old lady but he can kick down drywall <laughs> we don't know that lady's backstory <laughs> <laughs> You she ain't one I'm of them saying. backgammon women. <laughs> you know what I mean. P90X woman. It takes all the most interesting possibilities and squanders them. Yeah. Very, very quickly. Yeah. It did not make me feel particularly confident about the direction the season was going. Right. That was the other thing. It was scary. Yeah. We really thought, boy, we're in for it because Ziggy Awards last year really indicated that as much time as we spent watching this show, I don't know that either of us really thought we would be watching it for any other reason than to discuss it with one another. Yeah, right. Are you we, know? What do you think? We're watching this for fun? <laughs> well, I didn't see anybody laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought, oh boy, we're in for it again. And thankfully, that turned out to not necessarily be the case. Yeah, happy to be wrong there. With the notable exception of... Family family treasure. Our bottom episode. This is... The family treasure. Now, here's a question. Better or worse than paging Dr. Song? <sighs> better than paging Dr. Song, I think. It makes for a better podcast. I oh, had a lot true. more fun discussing it. I don't know if it's better. Okay. At um, least it's try. The problem with this episode, and I'm going to get a little heavy here for a second, but the, the problem with this episode is that it's very difficult to critique or criticize without the attack of 
bigotry because of the message that it's trying to send. It was like, oh, well, you just hate it because of what it's trying to say. Right, but that's not fair because like fair. you can have a good message and be sloppily written. And that's the problem with The Family Treasure is that it's a really sloppily written episode. Yeah. Like, the things I like, and this is why I would put it above Paging Doctor Song. It's a much more narrow focus. The interplay between the sisters and Ben, I genuinely liked that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There are elements of this episode I liked a lot, but there are so many that's not just the way the narrative pauses for five minutes to explain what non-binary people are. It's the... Two people who will never understand, meaning... Right. Meeting the characters in the story. Yeah, what... it's the lawyer villain who just pops up and then is dispatched in a cave-in and then we never see him again. It's the the fact that they filmed the flood scene on the earthquake set at Universal Studios or something and like it just <laughs> it's, it's just like a puddle of water comes out at them. It's like yeah. everything in this episode from the production value to the narrative, it just feels really hackneyed to me. It was not good. I like your argument though. I initially I was thinking no, this is way worse than Paging Doctor Song, but you're right. It's at least focused, and most of the characters I found enjoyable. In my notes here, it said the only good thing about Family Treasure is the skeleton. <laughs> the skeleton that's just standing up in the corner. Yeah, yeah. that's my the leaning, favorite part the leaning of that skeleton. Episode. The guy that just gave <laughs> gave up, leaning <laughs> up against the wall. For all- <laughs> just. Just died there and rotted. Man. Yeah, no, that is that is pretty great. Yeah. So that's the that, that. You, you're spoiling though, because that was my season MVP. <laughs> the skeleton. My pick for season MVP is the skeleton. Oh well, Treasure. it was my uh, that was my t- oh, <laughs> best oh. twist. Best the, twist. <laughs> the skeletons skeleton. can stand. <laughs> anyway, I yeah, man. What more to say that you didn't already? That's a yeah. It's just a, a slog. I did like also the clever little tongue-in-cheek puns that the father led them on, you know, to go, yeah, the, the clues. dad jokes. There's things to like in it. Paging Doctor Song, I defy you to find something to like in that episode. Other than when Francois Chow has that piece of metal lodged in the side of his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember you being quite the apologist, at least Just in the podcast. Just because Francois Chow was in it. Yeah. And he was from Lost, but that's yeah, that was a, about it. That man. was an awful episode as well. All right, so we've got some categories moving forward here that are going to get us out of specific episode discussions and more in specific elements from the episodes. The first one is going to be the biggest twist of the season. Okay. Nate, do you want to go first on this one? Okay, my turn. Biggest twist is one of the reasons off the cuff is my number one, and Mm. it's the reveal of Hannah Carson as the wife of Joshua Nally. Yes, that's such a big, and, big moment. It sucks the air out of the room when she walks in. You did a great job of describing the fact that we are sharing Ben's feelings about that because we had no idea it was coming. And it's transformative to the whole story. It changes yeah. everything and it hits you like a ton of bricks. I don't yeah, you're just reeling. The next scene rolls around and Ben's just sitting at the dinner table. And Hannah doesn't even know who he is yet. Which is a great and moment. And we're just sitting at that dinner table like, holy shit, I just feel like the the rug has been pulled out from under me. Yeah. 
And that dinner scene could very easily be your best relationship moment when they're oh, sitting sure. there. And Certainly the most true, the most authentic relationship moment. And the Nick Peterson character is, is like, you should tell him about the girlfriend you got in Cairo. <laughs> yeah, you just found out that your girlfriend is married yeah. and you are stuck at a dinner table with her. She gets so upset with him out on the porch because she's, God, it feels so good. Like, there's a warmth in my heart over the anger that she feels. Yes. You know? Yeah. Don't just look at me because I'm in this relationship. Like, it's been, what, nine years for her. But it's like, don't just right. look at this relationship and think that you can't be honest with me about who you are. And that doesn't have the same effect without the gut punch that comes from holy shit. Yeah. So that was tops for me. Biggest twist of the season. Absolutely. That was good. That's a good one. My pick for biggest twist is Addison leaping and against time. Okay. The fact that home isn't what you think it is. And the idea that the both of them are out there now working together and leaping in tandem. That's exciting to me. And I didn't see it coming. Did not see that coming. Right. Yeah. It's also a good payoff to Hannah's message of home being a person for the nomad when initially we were hoping that that person was Hannah. Right. But we were kind of over Ben and Addison and then leave it to the finale to make me excited to see the two of them together again. I wouldn't go that far. Well, like, like that's the thing, though. <laughs> like, am I excited to see them together as, as a couple? Not necessarily. Am yeah. I excited to see them together again leaping through time and working together? Yeah, that's... 100%. I never, ever thought we would get there. One of the things that I thought about with the fact that there are now two Leapers, if we're lucky enough to get a season three, and we mm -hmm. have to do our upcoming episode where we lay out stories and oh single episodes for two Leapers, I don't even know what that looks like. Too much work. I don't it's... think we're going to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. I'm sure I don't we'll know. Come up I had, something. A, I had but, um, so much fun doing that for our premiere this past season, coming up with I, like leap in stories for Ben. Yeah, I got one thing to it say could be about really that. Really hard to do. Two dinosaurs. Two dinosaurs. Right. That's what we got to look forward to next season. Yeah. Can I give an honorable mention to the big twist? To, to the twist? Oh yeah, sure. I got so, a couple that I didn't mention that I think were my, really good. It's interesting because of what you chose yours to be. My honorable mention was the three-year jump. That's, I, jump. It's been three years was one of mine. Like, wow, what a mind-blowing thing. Yeah. yeah, you don't, you definitely don't see that coming. It's a twist super early, but it really does change everything. Ian mentions that everything's changed, and by the end of Ben and Teller, you'd believe that no, it hasn't. <laughs> it's, all, <laughs> it's all the same. <laughs> like what, Ian? Oh, you mean Addison's got a boyfriend. Yeah. That is what had changed. Yeah. Nothing else. But that notwithstanding, that was a big one. That, that was initial big... twist was very good. That was my honorable mention, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. All right, so the next category we're going to look at is best guest character slash actor. I'll start this one off. Okay. This is one where I had probably the most options that I had written out to choose from, but the one I went with was, um... Hello, I'm Troy McClure. Tim Matheson as Neil Russell in The Lonely Hearts Club. 
P is for Psycho, and the president's neck is missing. And I know you just hate that episode. Or don't hate that I episode. I don't but, hate the but it's it, But it's not your favorite. I just, Tim Matheson was so delightful in that episode. Okay. That he elevated it for me. I think if anybody else had been in that episode, it might have landed in my bottom three. But he was just so good in it. I loved him. Okay. I loved the character of Neil Russell. Yeah, it was great. I thought he was terrific in it. Earwigs, ooh. And Man versus Nature, The Road to Victory. Okay. I uh, mean, Arnold will mention for me. I'll, I'll mention it in a second. I want to see uh, who you pick. Okay. But I do have a really, really strong honorable mention here. I think this one's unquestionably Matthew O'Donnell as Nick Peterson. That's a big one. Uh, to yeah. me, I think most of them pale in comparison. I do have some others that I wanted to mention, but the interplay between those two characters delightful sells the first half of an episode that we really liked right up until we loved that episode. I mean, there <laughs> yeah. was a lot of fun stuff going on with those two characters, that interplay, you know, that Paul Rudd look and you know, the poor man's yeah. Paul Rudd. Who's not going to love the poor man's Paul Rudd? Yeah, you got to. You got to. Yeah. yeah, if this episode had only been the first half of the episode, it would still be a It'd top three It would still be episode. good. Yeah. You know, they just sweeten the pot by throwing Hannah in and doing all that other stuff. Yeah, it, he was great. He was And so he's not great. lost after Hannah shows up. It's not like he just goes away. He's still there in the room going... Sure, you guys don't know each other from before. <laughs> he's trying to teach Jeffrey how to shoot a gun. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's... claiming that he's a nationally ranked marksman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, uh, he's come delightful. on, he, he's great. He was definitely in my runner-up pile there. You got other ones because I have others that I would like to mention. The big one for me, the big runner-up. We mentioned this guy. Love to see more of him. Probably never will. John Marshall <laughs> Jones as Davidson. Davidson in The Outsider. Davidson oh. is very close to season MVP for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit I've got his name written down, but I have his name written down in all caps. That's how close <laughs> I came to this. It's great. He's great. <laughs> Probably the best part of that episode, but if we're honest, he doesn't necessarily factor he, he in didn't in the... do anything. He just stands there, but that's all he needs to do. <laughs> In the spirit of this category, though, I didn't feel like uh, I the the ones that I wanted to mention, first of all, and this is another kudos to you, Brian, Amanda Jaros, who plays Megan McKenna in A Kind Ooh, of Magic. Yeah, good call. Yeah. She's the witch that we thought would be a real witch if it was original series Quantum Leap. The one that ran like the apothecary. Yeah. 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 And honestly... My adding her to this honorable mention list is largely because you pointed that out. And I was like, <laughs> yes, absolutely. There would be some real question as to whether this person was a real witch in the original series. And for sure, I, I got for a sure. big kick out of that. The other ones I've got Enoch Abrams and Ronnie Abrams played by PJ Byrne and Aaron Abrams. The peanut gallery from our premiere episode. Yeah. Those two jokers. I had the crew from This Took Too Long as my... Uh... Yeah, I kind of circled them and said, this is the best ensemble. This was probably the best complete supporting cast that they had. Yeah, easily. The two comic relief characters in that episode, knocking it out of the park, just a joy to watch. And yeah. 
honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, the sheriff in Oh God, I forgot about him. The sheriff of Closure Encounters. Closure Encounters. Yeah, he was great too. He was man. great. What a great character. Uh, so next up, most fan servicey moment. We observed last year that fan service can have a negative connotation. It doesn't necessarily need to have a negative connotation. Oh, true. It can also just be a lot of, we're talking about the strictly anime sense, TNA. That's also not what we're talking about here. There wasn't a lot of that this season. <laughs> Darn it. Sadly. Sadly, there was not. Right. But this is most fan service emo with the show going out of its way to give us something that's just straight dopamine. Right. I don't see how we get around not calling it Al's handling. Yeah. Yeah. Having the squished up gummy bears come back and the squealing and the whining and the slapping of the handling. What is that if not fan service? It's That's all it is. Just for us. Yeah. I didn't see another instance in the season that really came close to that. I'll tell you, one that came pretty close for me was the music cue from the Leap Home that plays when Janice is telling. Oh, that's fair. Her story. Same moment. And it's the same thing, right? Yeah, like, it's yeah. the exact same. Here's this just warm blanket to wrap yourself in. Did you have something different, or did I... I do have something different. Okay, but it serves a narrative purpose as well, because it's the one that we know she grabbed. Yeah. And it's the one that we know she could use. There's no other hand link. So, it works, because we already established she had it, and at the same time, there it is. Yes, my most fan servicey moment, we referred to this throughout the season. It happened at the very beginning of the very first episode of the season, and that is ah. Deborah Pratt's Saga Cell. If we're talking like a bait and switch this season, that is it. As good as that season premiere was, the fact that it started off with Deborah Pratt doing the VO for a Saga Cell immediately made me feel like this is a different show. Yeah, that's fair. We're back. They got it on lock now, and we are, we are Quantum Leap. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, we never got it back, of course. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes it fan service, but it makes it frustratingly so. Right. It was like, um, here you are, psych. Yeah. The greatest thing about that Saga Cell is she says, by an unknown force. Yes, she does does invoke the unknown force narrative setup for the season is that they don't really know what's leaping him around which i think is a big deal it's frustrating so that was my pick that's a good pick yeah perfect now last year we had a best ben and addison moment this year of course we are very much team hannah and so this year it's best ben and hannah moment of the season my pick we've already talked about it because that was your best twist, finding out that Hannah is married. Her coming into the house, Ben oh. seeing her, completely unexpected for us, completely unexpected for him, and you get this sense of, oh my God, it's Hannah. Oh my God, she's married. And it's just this That's rapid a heartbreaking decline there. It's such a great relationship-defining moment, though, for them. Uh. Hinges on that. I had a lot of happier moments between the two of them to pick from as well, but I figured I'd leave that to you. Well, I was going to say, we're diametrically opposed here. Is it the smoochy smooch at Princeton? No, no, no. Oh, no. is it Cairo? It's, you have no idea how many people I've gone up to. Oh, good asking, pick. Yeah. That one moment is what lifted Nomads into the number three spot for me. Wow. Just that moment. 
I'm a sucker for heartstrings. You're a great writer if you give me a gut punch the way that you did. But God, I'm I love it. <laughs> I yeah, just that's I can't get enough of love birds or what have you. I <laughs> I don't know. And that was just a powerful moment when she walks up to him and says, Ben? Oh, oh thank God. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so great. For six years this young woman has been waiting yeah. and it was just fantastic. And uh, honestly, for that episode, the spy stuff is very secondary. Yeah. yeah. I, I almost I mean, don't even think about it. It's a good romance set against the backdrop of, like, fucking Egypt. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so epic in scale and scope. Really, really good. Ben's reaction is just as good as her approaching him. Yeah. Because basically what it does is it validates what he was feeling when he leaped out last. Like, yeah. Wow, she feels it too. That's good. That's good, I think. So next we're going to split off here. I've got a category of my own. Nate's got a category that I don't know about yet. My category is best needle drop. Now, I've talked a lot this season about the songs that are being used in episodes and how great it is to hear Canned Heat's On the Road Again they're playing or... There's like a bunch of Rolling Stones songs in this season. No, there are two Rolling Stones songs in this season, Jumpin' Jack Flash and Satisfaction. In true Oscar form, they kind of bled votes from one another, and so neither one of them rose to the top. The best needle drop for me. Poison (laughs) by BBD at the beginning of One Night Korea Town. It immediately puts you in a place. It puts me in a place. Anyway, like I know where we are. I know what the era is. It's a great device to use to set the scene very quickly for me. In addition to being the best song ever written. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Poison by Belle Biv DeVoe was my my favorite needle drop of the season. Yeah, I think if nothing else, this indicates that we're lucky to have you as a music file on the podcast here. (laughs) Because I don't, when you promoted this as an option, I couldn't even really think of any of the songs. And you bring them up every week. Yeah, I was keeping track of them throughout the yeah. season. So, And you did it the first go-round, too. So that's a way the show's affecting you that it goes right over my head, man, to be honest. <laughs> so in lieu of my ability to pick out a song, I thought I'd take a moment and share my top three irritating gen moments of the season. Oh, shit, yes. <laughs> That'll segue great into our next category, too. (laughs) Number three. (laughs) Jin is a master poker player that plays at a high rollers table. Are they evil? Are they sleazy? Is it a nice hotel? Like, what's going on here? We don't know. And why does she have to be good at poker? God damn it. (laughs) Like... It was so irritating because it was, ah, what does Jin do in her off time? Yeah, we got nothing. <laughs> kind of edgy, but not exactly criminal. Hmm. I bet she's great at poker. <laughs> I want to think that the board in the writer's room just had <laughs> poker with a question mark next to it. And they and never like, went back. to. Why the, the fuck not? <laughs> <laughs> we meant to fix that. What? You shot it. Ugh. All right. Uh, all right. That was just a placeholder. <laughs> God damn it. Wow, that's only number, number three, huh? That's number three. Number two. You know who you have to tell, Ian? Rachel. 
What? <laughs> what? That's who you hate Rachel. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Rachel? Uh, goes without saying. Uh, head of security. Uh, and the most irritating thing that Jen did all season long made me actively angry barging into Magic's office after he asked Ian to leave for the day. Right. Step up in front of him like Magic was out of line. Fuck you. Fuck you. Magic's out of line. Collect your things, Jen. I understand that you're mad, but how dare you be upset with Ian? Like, what the shit? No, it's totally unacceptable. Oh, it made me so angry. Made me so angry, Brian. You have no idea. Or maybe you do now. I don't know. Uh, but Gen those two. are my top three irritating Gen moments of the season. Great job, Nate. That's that's <laughs> good. Uh, and it segues pretty well, like I said, into our next category, which is a new one for this year. The We Should Have Contacted HR Immediately (laughs) Award for Gross Incompetence in the Workplace. (laughs) Realistically, any one of the things you just mentioned could have gone anywhere except for maybe the poker game. Poker's out. She can do whatever she wants. It's it's her time. She can spend it however she wants, however trite and and, (laughs) formulaic and bland. Yeah, you want to spend it? That's up to you. I, I, there were a lot of good options. It wasn't hard There's to too many it down. options. Like I too think many. the answer I came to is the only real answer, but there are a lot of moments that were really. I'd say there's got to be at least thirteen of them because once an episode, one in every we episode. Were thinking, God damn it! <laughs> well, this one, this one is kind of all encompassing, and I believe okay. that this award goes to Ian and Jen for keeping the quantum chip secret throughout most of the season yeah i don't understand what their end game was it was never ever going to turn out well yeah and then like you just pointed out jen has the audacity to act put out once magic finds out and holds them accountable for it (laughs) yeah i have the same moment the way i put it down though as soon as they were all rehired as jen became head of security she should have immediately brought that chip up to tom of course immediately as soon as she's hired back to head of security she should have gone to her immediate supervisor and said this is why we're back this is what has happened and the gross negligence that comes with hiding that for an entire season that causes nothing but trouble for everyone they both deserve to lose their jobs. And you know what? You do that. You bring it up to them. And then Tom and Magic say, we're going to keep this quiet. Magic can do that. You remember Magic's whole thing with the senator in season one about, hey, maybe Quantum Leap could bring your brother back from the dead. Right. You know? Right. Like, Magic can fudge the edges. It's right in line with my number two moment. My number two irritating gin moment, which is, <laughs> you know who you need to tell? Rachel? Right. What? Yeah, no, no. You need to go tell your tell supervisors. Tell Magic. I think this is worse for Jen than it is for Ian. Yeah. Ian may have made the decision, but Ian's decision, we're told, 
is what found Ben. Right. At the end of the day, the decision was the right decision to find Ben and keep the project alive. The decision to hide that as head of security. Yeah, it's not a good look. I did put a little asterisk here as well to please note that not only was Jen not fired for this offense, she was instead promoted to head of the project. Head of Project Quantum Leap an episode later. So, yeah, so maybe going to the HR department wouldn't have done a whole hell of a lot anyway because evidently they were okay with uh, his recommendation to promote her to head of Quantum Leap. Yeah, what the hell's going on here? Uh, I did have one runner-up, but I mean, like, it just does not hold a candle to this whole season-defining blunder that is the <laughs> quantum chip. And that is Jen abandoning her job as Ben's hologram. <laughs> right. And then appearing put out when she gets replaced by Tom in Secret History. Yeah. What do you mean? You just walked off the fucking job. That should have been on your list. <laughs> yeah, should have been on my irritating Jen moment list. There's I have at a least feeling, 13 moments, right? <laughs> assuming we get a... Yeah, right. Assuming we get a season three, I, I feel like the irritating Jen moments segment may return. Oh, man. I, um, as much as I'd love to think that's not the case, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. We are down now to just a couple categories left. We've got season MVP, character to watch in season three, and an overall season grade. Right. MVP of the season. Nate. Gotta be. Only Unquestionably, one Unquestionably, Tom Westfall. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. What would we do without Tom? <laughs> I do have him down here as an honorable mention, though, because you know, we somehow managed to not hate him. Yeah, that's remarkable. Good for him. Yeah. At the end of the day, leaving in a resolution that was the only one that was good for him. but And leaving with some dignity, too. <laughs> dignity, yeah, and in the right. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to leave. Oh, no, I think I do. <laughs> good guy. Good. Tom yeah. is a good guy. Tom's a good guy. But MVP unquestionably Hannah Carson. Yeah, 100%. Eliza Hannah Taylor, Carson. Hannah Carson. There's no one else it could have been. No. This one was a lock to begin with. I don't even know who else you'd nominate. I didn't even think about anybody else. Like, there's nobody else. Here's the thing. We talked about the season premiere, Ian saying everything's changed, and then episode two rolls around, and it turns out not a whole lot has changed, and most of these <laughs> characters are kind of the same, and... Meanwhile, here's Eliza Taylor coming week after week after week, playing the same character at different points in her life and changing that performance in really small, nuanced ways to reflect, going from like a wide-eyed, small-town waitress to a capable, independent physicist, to a mother, to a widow who is growing wiser in her years and just selling every minute of it. Yeah. There's no question from a performance standpoint and from a storytelling standpoint, Hannah Carson was like the shot in the arm this show needed. Yeah. With a sports analogy, when they talk about can a quarterback win, the question is, can he put the team on his back and carry them over the goal line? Right. She put this show on her back and carried it. Yes. In our discussion, when I mentioned in the penultimate episodes there, Gideon Ridge was terrible enough that I meant, well, what if you just stopped watching? Well, no, you can't. You can't. Yeah, no. Can't. How Hannah could Carson. you at this point? <laughs> Hannah's still there. Hannah's, still, Hannah's, Hannah's coming still back. Hannah's still there. So, yeah, she, yeah. she carried this season 
Not to say the other players weren't great. Uh, everybody did a great job, but this was an easy one. Yeah, I feel bad because this category is... <laughs> I feel like Raymond Lee's never going to win this category, season MVP. Even though Raymond Lee does a lot of work on this show, we're always looking at these fringe characters or characters that are just the ones that surprise us a little bit more. Well, Addison won it last year, correct? Yeah, but she falls into the category of this character surprised us, I think. Yeah, okay. Not to say he's not deserving. No, 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 no. Certainly. Not at all. Character to watch in season three. Now, before we get into that, I want to refresh everybody with the characters we picked to watch in season two at the end of season one. Nate, do you remember who you picked? I picked Jen. You did pick Jen. To see what they would do with her. Turns out, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> nothing different, Se- anyway. Seems they did nothing with her. Yeah. As um, they did in the first season. My pick was Janice Calavici. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow they managed to do less. <laughs> well, see, the thing I said about Janice was that I didn't see any reason for her to be there anymore. I, I was like... Right. So watch out, see what they do with her, because if she's going to be there as a season regular, I don't know what they do with her. And they didn't do anything with her, but she did come back. She did. She had a moment. She had a pretty critical role to play at the end. Mm -hmm. So, uh, As did her imaging chamber. Yeah, that was the most important thing. The character watch in season two was Janice's janky imaging chamber. How do you rate that? So... It wasn't like we were predicting that it was. It was just something that we would be interested to see. Uh, well, I think I won. I think the important thing is that out of the two of us, <laughs> I won. Oh, I see. Janice's return this season was far more interesting than any single thing Jen did this season. Even that poker game? Especially the poker I game. Mean, I mean, she did win a hand. That guy <laughs> didn't see it coming, Brian. We were told she's quite good at this. That dude didn't know what he was dealing with. Now I, no, you're you're right. Um, and the fact that you didn't see what they could possibly do with her is, you know, you read it properly. There wasn't anything. Yeah, there was you nothing else do to do. Send her to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Send her to Hawaii. Bring her back, bring her with... back in a Magnum PI shirt and <laughs> That's have her. Right. And yeah. a tan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she looked uh, great. Looked great when she came back. And yeah, mine was a big old flop. They didn't. They didn't manage to do anything with her. Maybe next year. But I'll tell you what. I'm doubling down. Really? My character to watch for season three is Jin Chu. All right. <laughs> We're gonna do something with her eventually. All right. Uh, they well, I appreciate have, that. They have to figure something out now. This season, they had her sacrifice her life, right? That's she true. put on her little black baseball cap and went all cognito and infiltrated the place and got gunned down. Yeah. Right? She uh, she kept Ian's secret. Um, yeah, all right. That's all I got. But well, I mean, she's a good friend. <laughs> They tried to tell us that before. <laughs> they tried to tell us that. I mean, yeah. season one, we didn't know what she was. Is she a hard-edged criminal type? Or is she that gal pal? Or is she the gossip hound? Is she, Like, what is she? 
Yeah. Turns out we still don't know. She's everything. She's so, all of those things. Last year, I equated her to Jordy LaForge. Are they going to mm, give yeah, her something? Right. Are they going to give her something like her own engineering? This year, I'm going to equate her to Lieutenant Worf. Mm. Because Lieutenant Worf, he was bland old Klingon man. What do we know about Klingons? No personality. It wasn't until season three that Worf took off. You're right. Yeah. Here we go into season three. We're still not sure what Jen's personality is going to be. If they're not going to give her something to do, we at least need to know who she is. I need something that really lets me anticipate how she'll respond to a situation. Right sure. now, yeah. you present a situation for Jen and you could write her into any decision that you wanted. Yeah, she's a complete blank slate. Just a complete blank slate And still. we're, what, 31 episodes into the show or something? <laughs> doubling down, Brian! Okay, I'm all right. Doubling down. Fair. Hey, if she's the Lieutenant Worf, is Tom Westfall the Dr. Pulaski of Quantum Leap? I like that, right. yeah. I think she gets a bad rap. Yeah, I don't get for, the for just Pulaski hate. Because she's not Crusher. That's the reason she gets a bad rap, but... Yeah, but who liked Crusher in season one? I mean, that's a really good point. Really good I mean, point. Who liked anybody in season one? <laughs> we didn't like any of them. Anyway. So my character to got? watch in season three is Addison. Yeah, that's the real answer. Now, for sure. this could change her entire character. What she's trying to achieve, who she is. This whole season arc for Addison has been about self-discovery and really coming to terms with who she wants to be. And mm -hmm. this finale puts her in a position to finally be that person. I'm very interested to see where that goes. Yeah. She's going to have a chance, assuming we get a season three, to put all the training she did to the test and really determine, can she do this as well as Ben does? Yeah. Are they better together? There's a lot of questions here. The idea is that the two of them are meant to be together. They're a home. But in a situation where somebody gets promoted above somebody else, and you have to answer to somebody that you feel like shouldn't necessarily have that job as compared to you, there's a side of this that Ben could be like, well, actually, in these situations, Addison, we kind of do it this way, but she's trained her whole life to do it. Right. You could put some real uh, friction there. Yeah. Street smarts versus book smarts. Yeah. That's yeah. what you end like, up with. Trust me, I've been out here doing it. Yeah. Honorable mention for me in this category goes to Ben's dad, who comes up again in the season finale. He mentions that he never knew his dad. You remember when I was coming up with episode ideas for season two, one of the ideas was to have an episode where Ben leaps into his dad as they're trying to emigrate uh, yeah, yeah, to the U.S. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's interesting. I yeah. still feel like we're going to get that episode. You think that's going to happen? I think Ben is going to come to understand who his dad is, whether he leaps into his dad or leaps into someone who is with his dad. What if Addison leaps into his dad? Ooh, well, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew my dad. Now I know him intimately. <laughs> All kidding aside, I think Ben's dad becomes a factor in season three in some way. Yeah, that's not bad. So now... uh overall grade for the season as i did last year i scored all of the episodes on a 4.0 grading scale okay. okay then average them out 
But I also, I have to admit, graded on a curve this season because I felt like the answer I came to was not quite representative. The score was dragged down by Family Treasure. (laughs) And I didn't feel like it was fair to do that. Okay. Well, I didn't do it quite as numerically last year. I remember you bringing up this four-point scale that you did. (laughs) Last needlessly complicated scale. No, it's not complicated. It's actually rather simple. I did this complicated thing of I'll put these in the good category and these down here are in the bad category and here they're in the middle. And, you know, how do I feel about that? There's only 13 episodes here. So I did the same thing. I very quickly graded them from zero to four. Okay. And averaged it out, divided by 13 and came out with a number which... I then also kind of put a slash, kind of my visceral response grade, okay. which is a little higher than it averaged out. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So you graded everything on a 4.0 scale. What mm-hmm. was the average number that you came up with? Well, it came down to, do I give Ben and Teller and Family Treasure zeros? Or do I grade... <laughs> Or do I grade on a one to four scale? I see. It's, I Nothing got a zero from me. Okay. Because so I gave zero is very hard to recover from. I gave zeros to both of those. Wow. Okay. And so it your av- score is going to be it, lower than mine. Well, it averaged to a two seven. Okay. Which I rounded up. And then I changed those from zeros to ones and it came to like a two nine. Okay. Which is a good solid B for yeah. the year. And when I looked at that, having weighed those out, I've got one two, three, four, five. I've got six out of 13 scored a four. Okay. So see, yeah, it really does skew, you know? Yeah. Viscerally speaking, I had this up near a B plus. So you had six scored a four. Wow. Yeah. I had three fours and one, two, three, four, three point fives. Well, you said you never give it. Oh, well, I didn't do points. I did do points. Like like a B plus was a 3.5 for me. Okay. Well, I did all whole numbers, but you also said last year that you don't give out A's, so. Episodes got A's. Like, SOS was the only episode in season one that got an A. This year, all three episodes that I identified as my three favorites got A's for me. Okay. Yeah, I gave A's to the two finale hours, the premiere, and then my three favorites. Yeah. So, yeah, six. Six out of 13 I gave an A to. Okay. Uh, But I did give zeros to my bottom two episodes. Like I said, averaged out to a solid B. Okay. And I think that's fair. I I was kind of feeling B plus, but where did you land? My ratings came out to an average score of 3.16, which was a B, but I scaled it up to a B plus on visceral response again. Right. Because there are so many more highlights this year than not. And my scores for Family Treasure and Ben and Teller in particular kind of dragged the whole average down. Right, right. I was like, ah, you know, the good so vastly outweighed the negative this season. And I think my season one score was like a B minus. Yeah, mine was like a C plus. This is so substantially better. Again, I can't rank the season in A, obviously, because there are low points. And even though this is terrific stuff, hard to get an A. Looking back now, I would suspect I would feel more comfortable giving season one a lower score now. I think 
Yeah. Like I was sort yeah. of hedging my bets given that, okay, I'm doing a whole podcast about this show. I can't then tell can't my audience on that I really hated this season. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wasn't lying, you know, C, yeah. C plus average kind of thing. But when you weigh it against this B, it really makes that C feel a little high. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And I kind of considered that as well. And when I factored this out and it's a B, I'm like, well, that's almost the same score as I gave season one. And this is substantially better than that. So, uh, right. Yeah. You're a tough grader, Brian. That's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say about me. Yeah. Well, there you go. The Ziggy Awards. Good season. Very good season overall. Yes. Feel pretty good with the way everything shook out. I feel good with the Hannah arc. Loved it. Sad that we probably won't be seeing her again, but that's part of what makes our time with her special. We don't need to see her again until a series finale, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. In some regard, it might be nice to see her there, but even then we don't necessarily need to. That's <laughs> We may have already seen her in a series finale. Uh, we'll have to wait and see if the show gets be, renewed. That's, that's, <laughs> that, that is not wrong. Oh, uh, hopefully. We've got a long haul before we even know if there's a season three. But we've got some things on tap here in the coming months. Oh, for sure. Oh, there'll be some stuff you'll love in the coming weeks. We've got some good time travel stuff coming up. In the meantime, guys, remember to subscribe to the feed so you never miss an episode. Be sure to review the show. Tell your friends about it. Tell your moms. Moms love Quantum Leap, don't they? We're available on YouTube in an audio format, so you can check us out there. Like, comment, and subscribe. You can send us emails at oboyqlpod at gmail.com. Let us know what your rating of this season is. What was your highlight? What do you think the worst thing Jen did all season was? (laughs) Find us on social media. I'm at C-A-P-T-N-B-E-R-N, Captain Burn on Blue Sky, and Brian.Lee.Martin on Instagram and Threads. And I am at Action Nate on both Blue Sky and Threads. And folks, once again, thanks for listening. We always appreciate spending time with you. Until next time, I'm Brian. And I'm Nate. And we'll be here in the waiting room.